All right, welcome into the fifth down, the Houston Chronicles Texans podcast. And I'm Jerome Solomon, columnist for the Chronicle, joined by Jonathan Alexander, who is a beat writer who covers the NFL and the Houston Texans for the Chronicle. Jonathan is in Indianapolis, where the NFL Combine is held each year. The biggest off-season event for the league, aside from the draft, I guess. But this is the prelude to said draft. Uh, it's always a, a huge function. Fun to be at. Every prospect is there. Every agent is there. It used to be every coach and every assistant coach and every scout, etc. This year, a few coaches decided not to be there. But the, the combine is still a huge event, right, Jonathan? Oh, absolutely, man. It's uh it is like you mentioned the premier offseason event. Everybody uh gets their really their first look, not first look, but um one of their uh first big looks at these prospects and they all come together and compete and try to impress and, and uh, this event goes a long way in determining where prospects kind of fit on the puzzle in the draft order and, and where teams it kind of shape where teams will put players on their draft board. It's not the final determination because, of course, they'll bring some of those guys in for top 30 visits in a few weeks. But um, it's a big determining factor. So a lot of coaches, especially Texans coaches, a lot of position coaches and uh, coordinators were, were here to to witness it. Yeah, and for, for a lot of people that don't know how the process works, I mean, you think about it, the head coach of the NFL team, he, he's coaching his squad. He's not paying attention to college football in a sense of evaluating each individual player and ranking them, et cetera. That's the scout's job to put that together, and they feed that through the general manager. But a week like now, when the season is over, you get to go and visit with these guys and talk to them and see if they have – if your draft board is ranked the way you think it should be. You're moving people around quite a bit. So, And these are life-changing you know, interviews and workouts for players who it was a 350 or something, not usually 330. I don't know what the number is this year, but for these guys, it's the most important job interview of their lives. Yeah. I mean, the tape will speak for itself, but this is where the medicals happen and where the interviews, the first interviews take place. And it's, it's a lot. It's like a 15 minute kind of speed dating type of thing. And it, it, it's the first impression these teams get of these players and, and do they fit what they're trying to build? You know, CJ Stratt last year and Will Anderson last year were extremely impressive in these interviews to Texans coaching staff and front office. And they, they spoke about that and it helped uh, kind of convince them and, and continue to move them in the right direction to draft those players. And you see, the success they had because they really fit aside from the fact that they're great players, both of them, you know, they fit what the Texans are trying to build in that culture. And they're, they're trying, both of them ended up being captains their first year. And that was no, and and the thing about it that makes it fascinating is so many mistakes were made in the draft and people will draft a player who turns out not to be a good player or they'll draft a guy who turns out not to be a good guy or, or or not a good fit with that particular organization, and and no team hits a hundred. I I don't even think anybody's even hitting fifty percent. It's <laughs> the odds are low on getting it right, but boy, every 
interaction you have with a potential prospect is vital in forming your team for the next year. Yeah, 100%. I mean, you can find a diamond in the rough out here in some of these. And, you know, I think, for instance, like the Rams, they found Puka Nakua kind of in the late rounds. And and, um, so, you know, they, even though he wasn't a highly um, projected draft pick, you know, they fell in love with him during that pre-draft process. So this is definitely that time. Yeah, that, that Tom Brady was the 199th player selected late in the draft, and Brock Purdy led his team to the Super Bowl last year. He was the last player drafted. So, And, and it's one of those things, and we'll talk about this when we get to the draft. I like debating it where, and we'll do it, I guarantee you, in the Chronicle, where we'll go, the Texans have the 23rd pick, and we'll list all the 23rd picks in the history and how well that player has done, right? And I've always been like, and it's not the 23rd pick through history. It's every player drafted after that. <laughs> so so if the team picked the wrong guy at 23, somebody else picked the guy at 27 who's a Hall of Famer or something. that They messed up. So you can get a great player there, but the expectations are what they are. Let's talk a little bit about what uh, D'Amico Ryans and Nick Casario had to say about what they're looking forward to and what they're working toward and putting together this year's team? You know, I think both D'Amico and Nick Casario were consistent in their message. You know, the thing about this year compared to last year was, you know, last year they were really cert- They were kind of almost building from the ground. They, they needed a quarterback and um, they found that quarterback and they come into this year's combine and, and they don't need that. So, even though they have 30 free agents, they have their foundation in peace in place. They think they can sign a lot of their free agents. And um, this draft is just about figuring out how you can continue that trajectory that they're on and, and, and finding the right pieces that fit the holes that they may have at the free agency. Um, you know, D'Amico said he wanted to build up a really strong team that has a lot of depth. They had a lot of injuries last year. And a lot of guys uh, went down season and they were among the top in the league in injuries. So that depth is going to be important. You need guys who uh, can fill in and, and perform at a top ability. And and usually that's what happens after year one. You try to build uh, that depth. So that's going to be crucial. I think that's one of the biggest things. And and then Nick Nick talked about certain people in particular, like he uh, mentioned Jonathan Bernard and Blake Cashman. And he seemed to kind of indicate that they at least want to bring them back. Um, both of those players, even um, Devin Singletary was mentioned by D'Amico Ryans. Yeah, uh, answer this for me. Do, do, are you one of those who do you, you, we, we read between the lines and trying to see how enthusiastic a coach is when he's talking about a player and if that matters at this point? Yeah, you, you, can, off, you can often kind of read between the lines and, and listen to the tone uh, of, a, of a coach. Um, and see if they really like a player. Like they, they're enthusiastic about Jonathan Grenard, but they also said, but you could also kind of hear in Nick Casario's answer um, that they're in negotiations. Like it sounds like Jonathan Grenard's um, teammate want more money than what um, Nick Casario and the Texans have offered. I mean, Nick Casario mentioned the fact that Jonathan Grenard has to, his next step is really staying available and being healthy. And, and he, she's true. Like the first, Three years of his career, Jonathan Grenard missed a lot of time. 
but they know that when he is healthy, like he's an impactful player and a huge piece uh, to this defense and, and they need him. And, and it seems like they're going through this negotiation process. And he talked about working through it with them. Uh, you know, he's also a, a franchise tag candidate. I don't know that he will be franchise tag. The Texans don't often use that, but, and then Nick Casario also talked about the fact that, you know, if you franchise tag a player, you have to use that number as a baseline of, of where you can sign a player. So I don't get just given the fact that Jonathan Gennaro has had an injury history and they, they probably want to, they probably want to, you know, dangle a certain amount of guaranteed money and be safe just in case he has injuries. I think that they're probably doing their best to negotiate one that's favorable for both, but it's going to be tough because Jonathan and I put up some numbers and, and teams outside of the Texans are going to want to crack at him. Yeah. This is one of those trick things where a guy, he, I mean, Grenard didn't start as a rookie and then he was injured some then too. And in the second year he was a starter, but managed to only play 12 games. Wasn't outstanding, but he was, he got to the backfield, hit the quarterback a few times, you know, made his presence known. Then last year, not not this current season, but the season before that, before D'Amico Ryans came, he only played half the season and was injured. And this year was his best year by far, played 15 games, missed a couple of games late, had 12 and a half sacks. Uh, prior to that, he had 11 sacks in the first three years combined. So he's, is he a guy who, was this a flash season or was this a season that shows this is what he's going to be going forward? Quite likely, all you need is one team that decides that's who you are going forward, and they'll pay you uh, on spec. And the Texans, they know him well. He's been there four years. Uh, they may be a little more protective of their money than I would be because <laughs> it's not my money. Yeah. I, I look at year two with Jonathan Gennaro where he had eight sacks, and you know he missed a few games that year too. I, I, to me, I look at that as a successful year. And it shows that he ha- he is capable of doing it and that this isn't a – Nick Zero's right. He does have to stay on the field. Um, that is going to be important. But I think, to me, in my opinion, you take a chance on a guy like that, a guy who has that ability, a guy who's a good guy who you know is not, not going to get in trouble off the field. I think you take that gamble because even though he will be a little bit expensive, he won't be extremely expensive. Not going to break the bank. And he's and he's a leader in the locker room too. Yeah, it's going to be harder to find a replacement uh, for him, in my opinion, to fill those shoes than to take a chance and 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 not wish he get an injury. I, I think you can't think think that way. And um, he's certainly a talent and a leader. And and combining him with Will Anderson would only do wonders, in, in my opinion. They could be a great duo for some years. That's where it gets tricky in building a team and and and. You can make decisions that aren't bad decisions, but they don't work out. Like you say, to to find a guy that will give you what he gave you, you can go out and you you probably have to pay more for that guy. And what if that guy comes in and gets hurt third week of the season, then it, it was a bad decision. But it wasn't. It just didn't work out. You know. And the odds of you finding somebody who is exactly like Grenard, who has played three, four years, had a little success, but has been injured, and now you hope he's going to be healthy and deliver a big year. You don't need to do that because you already have that guy, right? Yeah, absolutely. That's what uh, I, I just think, you know, so often 
you know, people pass up on their stars and let them go to different teams. And, and, um, and the first thing you have to do is replace them. <laughs> first thing you have to do is replace them. And that oftentimes also, you, you could probably get somebody on a keep cheap contract and maybe they outplay that contract, but then you got to pay that person. So, um, I, I think, you know, the Texans have operated in that fashion. They've tried to get guys looking to prove themselves and it, it, it worked last year, but it's not a sustainable model. And I think no, yeah, you can't reload every time. You can't reload every time. And I think retaining a lot of your young players, Jonathan Bernard is just 26. And if he was 30, we'd, we'd be having a different conversation. Right. But he's 26. Yeah. And that's one of the things I, I do want to ask you about. What are you hearing about just general free agency and the Texans who have plenty of money under the salary cap, even within the, the number of free agents they have, that's, that's just going to be a regular salary. You have to have you have to have a roster of fifty three. <laughs> so they're going to have a roster of fifty three, but it's more about are they going to make any splashes with some big names? Is there a general feel for a couple of guys who um, might be in the mix that uh, so many people are talking about? Saquon Barkley and a potential Derrick Henry, which is more about Derrick Henry being available than the Texans being interested, but. The guy can play, and the Texans will be in are in the market for a running back. To be honest with you, I, I do think the Texans are going to make some splashes. I think they're going to spend their money, and there's two areas where I think they'll spend money in particular. I think that's defensive tackle, and that's um, when it comes to players not on it. They're going to focus on the guys that are on the team. But when free agency hits, I do think they're going to try to make a splash at defensive tackle. They're going to try to upgrade, I believe, and and they're going to try to. It potentially take a shot at running back. They know they have to improve the running game. I think that they're fine with, <clears throat> excuse me, I think they're fine with re-signing Devin Singletary. I think they like what he brought. Yeah. They know he didn't start the entire season. Perhaps if he started the full 17 games, he could bring a lot. But I, I do think that they'll they'll test the waters with Saquon Barkley. I mean, the Giants also have to let him part ways and from what I understand, from what I read from reports from local New York media, they, they're not going to let Saquon. But I do think they're going to at least uh, gauge that interest if, to see if uh, if they can find the right price. I think those are two areas that if the Texans spend money, those are, are going to be the areas. As far as their current guys, I do think they want to bring guys like Blake Cashman back. I think they want to bring guys like um, Kaimi Fairbairn back. I think they want to bring guys like Dalton Schultz and Jonathan Grenard back, but I think they're in the negotiation process and, and those two sides have to figure it out. Um, Kaimi Fairbairn in particular, I think, you know, (laughs) I think they're in a tough negotiation right now. You think that a kicker as solid as him, he would be signed right now, but you look at Kaimi's numbers last two years, he's been top five in the league. He's a, He's, I think, the seventh highest paid kicker. He's looking for top five money um, right now. And, um, you know, Nick Casario, you know, he's a he's a he's tends to be a, a tough negotiator. So I think you have to wonder if the Texans are going to give him top five money, which I, I think is worth it. Um, yeah, because he, he's a top five kicker. And you and yeah, kickers, you can find a kicker, but you can also not find one. So why why go looking for something that you already have? You know what I mean. It's especially for the kind of money. It's not like kickers break the bank. Yeah, and it's it's my understanding there are other indoor teams looking for kickers. So 
you know, Kaimi could be a hot name. Other, another team could want him and that could be appealing to him. So, you know, that's going to be an interesting one, one to watch. Um, Cause those are points on the board. I mean, yeah, other players delivering are important. The, the middle of your defense line is vital to what you do, but you watch games being won and lost by kicks. <laughs> yeah, this is not as flashy, but, you know, to me, if Cameron Johnston was going to be back with the team, I think he would have signed by now. Um, they might be in a hard negotiation as well. I, I'm a little surprised I hadn't seen that. To me, that would indicate – and I saw, you know, some folks from the um, um, Texans special team staff um, walking by. So I would assume that they're preparing for the worst over overall on that front as well. Um, and and it is one of those things they, with with your special team. Like I said, it's there are a lot of good kickers, a lot of good punters, and you can you can't save a whole lot of money there because it's not like they make a fortune. But the Kansas City Chiefs just won the Super Bowl, and the first thing they did was sign a free agent punter or a kicker. You know what I mean? So it's, I mean, it's like, why? Because you, you can do better. You can find a guy at the right price kind of thing. Let's, let's do that defensive line thing. Um, one guy who's very interesting to me, and mainly because I know him and he's one of my boys, <laughs> DJ Reader of the Bengals. Like when he left the Texans, and I'm not talking about him specifically, but a guy just like him is the kind of guy the Texans need to sign now. Now he's a free agent now too, but he he went to the Bengals a few years ago. But a guy like him who's getting ready for a second contract and can handle himself in the middle is the type of player the Texans need. And we talk a lot about drafting a guy there. It's hard for an interior defensive lineman as a rookie to make a huge impact. Now they can play well and be solid, but they usually don't get better till their second, third or fourth year, even unless they're special and you're not getting necessarily a special guy at 23. Yeah. You're not necessarily, you, you know, usually guys like this late, like you, you draft them to be impact players, like, but in the rotation of the defensive tackles, like defense tackle rotate a lot. They're not on the field. Um, Yeah. You're not, you're not getting a three down guy. At 23, as a rookie. Yeah. yeah, you're getting a guy you can put down in, in special packages who can be, um, you know, disruptive and has the potential to be a star, um, which I still think the Texans have a great chance to draft somebody like Johnny Newton or, or Darius Robinson um, at 23. But when you look at the free agent class, you know, I, I really wouldn't put it past them to um, to sign a guy like DJ Reader or Christian Wilkins or even try to go out, see what they can get for Chris Jones, who's 29 and is a superstar with the Kansas City Chiefs, and he's going to be paid a tremendous amount of money and is probably going to um, set the uh, set the market for defensive tackles. Him and, and Justin uh, Matabuke. Um, but, I, but the Ravens franchise tagged him, so he's not going anywhere. But uh, I do think that the Texans will go big in that particular area. Yeah. Like, like you said that D'Amico Ryans has gone out of his way to keep, to mention that several times. So, you know, it's a priority to him and his defense. Yeah. D'Amico Ryans will use clues to tell you what he's going to do. Uh, like last year he told, he said that they were going to draft a quarterback and, and, and sign one. And they did exactly just that. 
uh, drafting C.J. Stroud and signing Case Keenum. So I tend to listen to the clues when D'Amico Ryans talks, and he said he wanted to put some resources in that defensive line. When I hear resources, I think at least trying their best to sign John DeGanar and then sign another defensive tackle and upgrading. Um, and, and, and there's some guys out there who could potentially, you know, help them in the future. Anything um, that you came across that you didn't know heading into Indianapolis? Then you've been there all week. Mm. That I didn't know. I, I didn't know that you could get uh, NFL rate at the JW Marriott. <laughs> Where you been, brother? <laughs> uh, all these people were telling me they got this cheap rate by going on the Marriott website and typing in yeah. NFL and not. NFL rate or athlete, you call and say athletic rate, they hook you up. See, I, I didn't even, I, I tried calling them and they told me that they couldn't do nothing for the media. And I should have said I work for the NFL. <laughs> <laughs> you, you, you can't put that out over, over the airways. Now you're going to mess it up for everybody. Everybody listening going to do it. So, hey, there, there's a little tip for y'all because I'm mad that I didn't know about it. So, so use that to y'all's advantage. Um, that and the fact that Indianapolis is, uh, weather is just strange. It, it it went from 70 degrees one day to 30 degrees and windy the very next day. And I'm, yeah, it's terrible. Yeah, I mean, Houston weather changes a lot, but our extreme, we don't get to that cold very often. We're in Indianapolis. Every time I'm there for almost any event, there's a cold snap there. I, I love the city as a host for events, though. I, I don't know if you saw... Uh, there are a lot of complaints about the NBA All-Star game that was there last week for people who just didn't get into it. But when, I, when I'm when i there for Final Fours, NCAA tournament stuff, for uh, the Combine, I mean, all the hotels are right there. All the activities in one s- central area. It's not like Houston where you can have events at the Galleria downtown and wherever, Woodlands and all over town. It, I, I like Indianapolis for events like that. I don't know if I'd want to go there on vacation. Duh. <laughs> but for an event, it's kind of cool. Yeah, it's easy to get around, easy to navigate. It's not hard. Um, the the lifts, if you got to take a lift in a cold weather, it's cheap. So, uh, yeah, this uh, hopefully they keep the combine in Indy um, so it's uh, it can stay easy to navigate. So, yeah, and, and I, I would like for the combine also to remain where Everybody comes, you know, it's, and I, I know it's easier for them to scout now than they ever have. You know, they know all the players and they, you know, they get so much film and interaction with them. But, but this, it's like a, it's like an NFL convention. It's way better than the Super Bowl in terms of NFL business. The Super Bowl is about corporate marketing business. It's not, it's not for football. The the combine is about football with all the agents and you know the the draftees the draft prospects and and all of the assistant coaches and everybody all doing football business. It's it's really cool event. Yeah, deals are going to be made in, in free agency. Um, you know, with with like a lot of pending free agents or or at least some progress going to be made. Um, yeah, it's a it's a great event overall. So give us give us the uh, speaking of screen. So give us the timeline of what's coming up. Yeah, so um, we'll have soon. Um, the Texans will be 
um, figuring out who they want to bring in for top 30 visits. And that'll probably happen within the next few weeks. And owners meetings are um, in March, almost, probably three weeks from now. And um, by then, uh, teams will have a general sense of who they really like. And um, it's really a matter of of uh, organizing their draft boards at, at this point. So these, this is a crucial stretch. These next three weeks are going to be crucial in the figuring out who um, the Texans really like. And a lot will be decided based on those first 22 picks and where those teams go with their picks. So, um, But that's good. The Texans are in a good position because after free agency, they shouldn't have as many holes and in, in as many key holes that they need to address. So, Right. Yeah. I mean, they, yeah. You, it, when you come out of free agency, you should have a football team that can play. Then you draft players. Like you don't draft a player at the, he's the only person in the position. And you expect a rookie to be the guy that, that makes no sense. No, by the end of free agency or by the draft, you should have a team that, you know, covers all your bases. And right now, right now, you don't. they couldn't play a game. Now they don't have enough players. Uh, and that's only two weeks away, right? What is it? March 11th is when uh, they can start negotiating on the the cheap period. So they'll be negotiating right now with their own free agents and maybe some deal. You might see some deals pop up and then um, in, in less than two weeks or is it two weeks? Yeah, I think less than two weeks free agency for other free agents. begins. It'll be it'll happen super fast. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right, cool. In uh, any other developments from your wild week in Indianapolis? <laughs> nothing, nothing crazy. It was a, it was pretty tame, you know, got to run into some old uh, faces. Brooks Cabina was down here, former Texans beat writer. Uh, got to see him. Uh, got to see a few other people, but uh, nothing, nothing crazy. Um, well, without even naming names, if, if tell me if this happened for you. One of the reasons I loved the combine and you said the most fun was I would have drinks with Bill Belichick and would meet other coaches at a cigar bar and they'd say, come hang out here and do this. If you, if you had those interactions, I, I assume that you, you connected with Casario or D'Amico while you're there. Yeah, I did see. I saw, I saw Casario last night. We didn't have any drinks. I'm not afraid to say that, but definitely saw um, a lot of the Texans coaching staff and, and um, you know, um, got a chance to speak to them. And, and you know, we reported that we were first to report that the Texans promoted their defensive line coach, uh, Rod Wright, to defensive line coach. He was assistant defensive line coach. He's, he's, he's head defensive line coach now, um, and they hired uh, Nate Ollie who was a former defensive line coach at the Colts to be the assistant defensive line coach. So um, got a chance to to talk to a lot of those people, a lot of those new faces who are coming in who seem really excited to uh, come to the Texans and, and, and continue to build. There's a lot of excitement around D'Amico Ryans and, and what this team could potentially do, even among the coaches who were, who were there last year. Like they, they're genuinely excited about the future and, and, and what, um, Will potentially uh, happen for the for the Texans because they see the path that D'Amico Ryan's and, and the rest of his team are kind of laying for them. Yeah, that's that's good for Rod Wright. I, I covered him when he was a player at the University of Texas, and he's he's one of the up and coming coaches in the league. Sharp guy too. So 
what was the, the line coach before? Um, Jock Cesare. Yeah, Jock Cesare. I just saw him uh, 20 minutes ago at a restaurant. He's going to Cleveland. Um, but yeah, he replaces him, um, who got a job. Uh, his contract expired. So he got a job with the Browns. Th- their staff is set now. Mm-hmm. Yep, their staff is their staff is is basically from from what I understand, it said like Chris Kiffin left, and the Texans hired um, Billy Davis, uh, former um, Browns coach, and who was also last with the Cardinals. He uh, also worked with Matt Burke, defensive coordinator. Uh, so he had history there. Ali also used to work with Matt Burke, so they have history. Um, and um, so that's where the, those connections kind of came in. So they hired two people that I'm aware of. Um, still keeping an eye out, of course. But a lot, they're returning a lot of their coaching staff. They may have to um, hire a senior assistant. Of course, Shane Day left to be the offensive coordinator um, with, I can't remember the team he left for, but they may try to fill that spot. But as of now, that's what we know. And And real quick before we go, that's we talk about um, players wanting to play for the Texans because they're kind of the hot team. They've got a young, really talented quarterback, and they showed something during the season as a group that was pretty attractive for players. But uh, D'Amico Ryan's showed some stuff as a coach that there are coaches that want to be around him as well, correct? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, um, you know, as far as the players go, they're the team report cards at NFLPA. Um, D'Amico received an A minus um, because of his willingness to listen to players. Um, and and that was a great grade that he received in the report card. But yeah, coaches too. Coaches want to stay. You know, talked to um, um, Bobby Sloak earlier in the season and and he's, you know, very fond of, of D'Amico. And I, I think he holds those coaches to a high standard, but he lets them do their thing. Like that offense is Bobby Sloak's offense and he's not a micromanager. And I think, um, you know, the success that the Texans are on makes this really intriguing for, for young coaches because they will, they know that they'll get their opportunities elsewhere. Guys like Gerard Johnson, going to be a hot candidate again for all offensive coordinator um, next year, as long as the Texans continue on a good offensive trajectory. And there's no reason to suspect that they won't unless, you know, something crazy were to happen. Yeah, it's as simple as that. Like, you, you can, it's hard to get these jobs, period. So you'll take it wherever you can, but if you get a job with a class organization that's winning and have positive vibes around, the next opportunities come a lot easier. If you're, if you're coaching with a last place team, people aren't beating down your door to interview you for promotions. Cool, cool. That's Jonathan Alexander, who did not know how to get the hook up at the JW <laughs> But now he shared it with you all. And we'll be back next week with more of the fifth down. Thanks to Pioneer Audio for producing. And uh, next up is who are the Texans going to re-sign that's on their team? Who will from their team will sign with other squads? And then the chase for new players from elsewhere. It's going to be a fascinating few weeks here covering the Texans. And we've got it all right here on the fifth down. I'm Jerome Salem. We'll catch you next week.